Man, so y'all doing all right today? Good deal, good deal. All right, we're, that was about seven of you. All right, here we go. We'll, we'll figure it out as we go. Listen, if you have your Bible this morning, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. If you are uh, visiting with us today, we're certainly glad that you're here. Uh, you guys are awesome. Man, good to be in the house of God, yes? Hey, Amen. If you're taking notes this morning, just we're going to title uh, today's message simply, It Will Require. It Will Require. Awesome. As you're trying to find Acts chapter 10, let me just say this. Before Christmas, we spent quite a bit of time, uh, eight weeks to be exact, talking about the church. And uh, over those eight weeks, there was a few things that I really wanted, just us as a congregation, there's some things I want us to grab. Obviously, we don't get up here just to preach to preach, just to talk to talk. Uh, obviously, there's things that, that we feel like God is saying, and we need to grab a hold of those things and do something with it, yes? Because uh, the truth is, is uh, there's got to come a day that we stop being hearers and we start being doers of the word, and, uh, and our lives will never change as long as we're hearers. Amen. So, so listen, over those eight weeks, I kind of had a few simple hopes that, that just we as a church that we had to grab. And, and the first one is this. I'm going to give you four. But uh, the first one is simply this, that the church, that we would see that the church is really just people. It's not a building. And, and that we would see the guys that we are the church. And when we come together, guess what? We get to have church. Right, we we get to have church. In other words, we get to come and we get to worship Jesus and we get to hear the word. We get to be equipped. What God's called us to do, man, it's it's good, right? The second thing that I want to see is this: is I want to see that who we were called to be or who we are called to be as the church to understand that you and I we have been called to be ministers of the gospel. And and if you uh, to kind of make that really clear, that you and I have the opportunity to be the face of Jesus to our community. That's not a small responsibility. Amen. That's a big deal. The third thing I want us to see was this: is I want to catch a glimpse, just kind of catch a picture of what would happen if, if we began to do church as a team. If we begin to do church as a team, meaning this, that, that we would begin to understand our own personal roles and assignments in the local church, in the local body of what could happen. I, I personally believe if we, if we grabbed a hold of that, man, the sky's the limit. Amen? So, so if you kind of see there, just in, in number two and number three, to understand that we have a responsibility to our community, but we also have a responsibility within the local body, right? That that's who God's called us to be. And the fourth thing was really just simply this. We spent eight weeks because I wanted to intentionally prepare our hearts for all the things that I believe God desires to do in 2018. And, uh, and the truth is, if God can desire to do all these things, but unless we grab a hold of one, two, and three, it'll never happen. Does that make sense? So, so, so simply, if I can maybe just give you a little commercial here, what happens is this, is when we realize that God is saying certain things to our heart, there comes a certain time that we take what we feel like God is saying to the prayer closet, and we begin to ask God to do those things in us. Yes, in other words, we don't just hear it put on the shelf. We go, God, what is it that you want to do in me? What do you want to do in us uh, as a church? And we begin to pray into that. Yes, that there comes a time that we as God people go, God, give us spiritual ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And not only what you're saying, but help us come into agreement with it. Yes, and we come into agreement through the prayer closet. We come into uh, an agreement by the words we speak, by literally our faith. All those things really contribute to that. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. Awesome. Have you found Acts chapter 10 yet? Good deal. We'll get there in about 15 minutes. Let's pray. All right, here we go. 
Father, we thank you for today. Lord, I, we are just praying today, God, that we would have a revelation, God, that we, uh, as the church, man, that we are, we are the church of the living God, that we are people, uh, who the Spirit of God dwells inside of, God, and that you desire to do great things in us and through us. And, uh, Lord, we thank you, God, just today, God, that you've called us to be ministers, that you've given us a ministry. And, uh, Lord, as we just, uh, step into this new year, into this new season, Lord, we just ask today, God, that our hearts would be prepared, maybe like never before in our walk with you. And so, Lord, Lord, today we just give you room, we give you permission uh, to speak to our hearts, not only today, but in the weeks ahead as we begin to kind of uh, unfold and unwrap, God, of where we're going as a church. And so, Lord, today, just thank you for just bringing, God, just a unity of effort in the room, God, that there be a spirit of unity in the house. Father, that there be no division among us, but, God, that we would uh, literally once again hear what you're saying, and, God, we'd come in agreement with that. And so, Holy Spirit, thank you for your anointing today. Thank you for your presence. Come speak loud and speak clear today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now listen, I don't know about you, but I I really, really, really like New Year's. I I think a lot of that really stems back to uh, being a kid. As a kid, I really liked the pageantry of New Year's. Now, obviously, it's a little different than here because it was warmer. But, uh, you you know, on on basically New Year's Day down in good old Alabama, I remember I was was always at my dad's house. My parents been divorced since I was a uh, a month old. So I always spent Christmas at my dad's house. Basically, at 12 o'clock, he'd pick me up, and we were all kind of there always through the New Year. And we would wake up uh, on New Year's Day and on New Year's Eve, should I say, and we would uh, basically go down to Anion, Alabama, man, just a little small Podunk town, and basically we would go to a parade, and you know a kid's favorite part of the parade has nothing to do with the floats, but it's the people throwing the candy at them, right? So it's free candy, and we get candy, and then we'd basically leave the parade, we would uh, we would go home, and family and friend would come over, and we would eat some really good food, and then uh, my favorite part of the day would happen. As soon as it would get dark, my dad would come, and he would give all four boys basically like a two and a half, three foot uh, aluminum pipe. And then we would go get our fireworks that we got from the local fireworks stand, and we would get our safety gear on, right, get our goggles, our headgear, and we'd have a bottle rocket war. That's like good straight-up redneck fun, right? And so literally in the backyard shooting fireworks at each other, and the kid that had the more money, he would go sling a Roman candle at everybody. you got to love that kid. I was never that kid. I didn't have any money. But anyway, so and then obviously once all that was done, how many of you guys have ever done that? Let me stop. How many of you guys have ever had a bottle rocket war? Anybody? One cool kid in the back. And yeah, awesome. The rest of you guys are like, those guys are idiots. All right, anyways. So it's fun, man. I mean, literally, you get done and you show everybody where you got hit and, you know, how you almost hit so and so. Anyways, it was a blast. Do it tonight, whatever. Anyway, so <laughs> me here at the church tonight, six o'clock. We'll do it. Anyway, so. <laughs> Anyway, so so then let me speed up here. So obviously, once we'd get done with that, man, we'd go inside eat dinner, and and then we would do, you know, as a kid, man, you're pumped. You get to stay up late, right? And you get to watch the the ball drop in Times Square, you know. So a good day, right? But but listen, the older I've gotten, I think what I like about New Year's uh, more has nothing to do with the pageantry of it. It's simply this: it's the atmosphere that comes with it. You know, how many of you guys know that holidays have an atmosphere or an inward feeling that kind of attaches itself to the holiday? To kind of give you some examples here, Valentine's Day, man, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's one of romance if you got somebody. If you don't, it's depression. Anyway, so, but, but listen, that, that the 4th of July, man, that there's freedom and there's, there's this underlying thing that, man, it's, it's bravery, it's courage. When Memorial Day comes, obviously that's a real sobering day because you understand the, the price that was paid for your freedom. And then, you know, we roll over to Thanksgiving and everybody's grateful. You're thankful for God's blessing in your life. And then we just experience Christmas. So everybody gets it, man, that there's this atmosphere of basically of generosity and opportunity to give to other people. But then we become to New Year's, right, like today, 
Man, the, the atmosphere is really this. It's an atmosphere of new beginnings. It's an atmosphere of a fresh start. It's like a, whatever happened last year, man, it's a chance to hit the reset button, right? But, but listen, as a believer, I think the reason I like this, and, it's, and this is why it's changed and grown over the years. As a believer, there, there's this thing that I love, the spiritual atmosphere of today. Am I making sense to you guys? That, that, that is this thing that, man, the closer I've gotten to God, the more I realize that this time of the year is a lot more than just flipping over another calendar year. It's this, it's this side of this anticipation of this wondering, man, what does God have in store for the next season? Man, what is God desiring to do around us? What's he desiring to do in us? What's he desiring to do through us? And that's fun, yes? So it's, it's like today, if you can understand that today, uh, and I understand that God begins new seasons, not just on today's, uh, like today, but, but there's an understanding that today, as far as we are as a church, just happens to correlate at this time. Man, though, as a church, we are about to close one chapter and open the cha- another chapter, that we are literally standing on the threshold, uh, about to open the door, leaving one room and stepping into the next, and that's fun, yeah. that we're about to step into the new. Are you with me today? So listen, if, if we realize it or not, in fact, I'll just say it this way. It's impossible to read the Bible without seeing that God is a God of new beginnings. That God is a God of new beginnings. In fact, we see this all throughout the Bible, that every time God visits a person, that literally was the end of one season and the beginning of the next for that individual. Think about these with me for a second. When Noah was divinely warned to build an ark, it was a new beginning. When God visited Moses at the burning bush, it was a new beginning. When Jacob wrestled with God, when God visited Gideon in the wine press, those were new beginnings. When Samuel anointed David to be the next king of Israel, when God told Jeremiah, I've ordained you to be a prophet to the nations, when Gabriel told Mary, you will give birth to a son, those were new beginnings. When Jesus told the disciples, follow me, it was a new beginning. When Jesus showed up on the road to Damascus uh, and encountered Paul, guess what? That was a new beginning. If you're with me say, oh yeah. But, but see, for me though, when I look at the Bible and I see all those examples, and obviously there's a whole lot more that we didn't have time to discuss, but I sit back and one of the first questions that comes to my mind is simply this, is what did each of those new beginnings have in common? What did each of those new beginnings have in common? And, and, and that question may be a little bit confusing because I'm not, not really talking about what, what built up for that to happen. I'm really talking about when the, when the encounter, when the visitation, when the new beginning happened, uh, what was the common outcome? What was the common outcome? And it's simply this, that it required something of them. That it required something of them. That every time that God brings a, a new season in our lives individually or corporately as a church, guess what? It will require something of us. Amen? So today I want to give you five things that I believe that was required from each of those individuals. But I also believe, once again, that, that it's not just them, but it's also us individually, and it's us corporately. It's not going to be any different. God's going to require these things of us. And so today, as we go through these five things, we're going to spend a little bit more time with some than others. But, but I, want you to, I want you to hear it as if it's for you and as an individual, and then for us as a corporate body, as a family. Too easy, right? And I'll do my best to explain it, okay? Here we go. The first thing that a new beginning requires of us is this. It requires a personal discovery. Personal discovery. Listen, over the years I've learned that every life shift requires an identity shift. That every life shift requires an identity shift. Meaning this, that every time that God brings a new beginning in our lives, it will require us to see ourselves differently than we've ever seen ourselves before. You believe that? 
Listen, every new beginning that God says, you know what, I want to bring an upgrade in your identity. It's almost like when, when God begins to bring us into a new season, what he'll do is this, and he can't do it for us, but he will help us with it, is he'll begin to shine the spotlight on basically negative thought patterns that got to go. And, he, and the reason he's shining the light on them is because he wants to delete them from our thinking. He wants to delete them from our lives. And, and not only does he basically highlight the negative, but he comes and he begins to highlight positive thought patterns, godly thought patterns, faith thought patterns. And he begins to put an emphasis on that so much that, he, that we would begin to hopefully desire that. Because sometimes basically what happens is, is we got to desire that to not desire that. Are you with me? That we got to want the new thing. And so what happens is this, is that it's God's heart. What he's trying to do in the overall perspective, it's God's heart that he's trying to basically bring us into a new identity. Because his hope is, is that that new identity would force out the limitations and the restrictions of our past seasons. Because how many of you guys know we have limitations and restrictions in the season that we're in? It's just there. It's mindsets, right? It's the pattern. It's the way we live our lives. And God says, man, I, I want to give you a new identity so you can break off those things. And not only is he trying to break off those things, but he's trying to build something in us too. Because it's God's heart that, that basically our new identity would give us a confidence and to give us a clarity that we are going to need to be successful in the new territory that he's assigned us to. Are y'all follow me? Listen, for, for some reason, I feel like I need to say this today, and let me maybe just set this up. What happens so often in our lives is this, is we look in the mirror and we don't like where we're at. And we think somehow that just by being fed up with it is going to change it. And that's not the case. So let me throw this quote up here for you. That the old, the old thinking, the old identity will never leave because we get tired of it. The old only leaves when the new displaces it. It takes the new to move out the old. So true. So what happens is, is if we're going to move out of the old identity, what we need is, is a new revelation from the Word of God in our lives because that's the only way that old's going to go. What happens is, is once again, God begins to highlight It's not just a negative thought, but he highlights the lies that we've believed. And then he begins to highlight the truth. And then we have a choice. Here's the challenging part. That basically when God gives gives us a greater revelation, here's the challenging part. Will we have faith to believe him? Will we have faith to believe his word beyond our present assessment of ourselves? Right? Because isn't that true? What happens is, is we look in the mirror and we have the way we think about us. I have a way I think about Quentin's self. That's the way I think. And then I read the Word of God, and the Word of God doesn't agree with what I think about me. Now, at that point, do I have faith? Do I have faith to believe what I think about myself, or do I have faith to believe what God says? That's the greatest challenge right there, yes? At least it is for me. So I want you to think about this. Think about how serious God is about this. And I, I think some people have a hard time understanding this. But, but when we look at the Bible, when it comes to our identity, man, all throughout the Bible, God even went so far in this area that he even changed people's names to help them grab a hold of their new identity in him. Think about this. Abram became Abraham. Abram meant father. God spoke a new identity that says, man, look at the stars. Look at the uh, sand on the seashore. You're going to be the father of many nations. And he named him Abraham because it means Father of many nations. And there's that side, once again, where, where as a man thinketh so he is, there's life and death and power, tongues, all those things, that every time he showed up and said, hi, I'm Abraham, he was, understand, prophesying over his own life, saying, guess what? I'm a father of many nations. 
Are you following me? That there was no longer Abraham, just a father, just a guy that didn't even have a kid. Really, it's a lie. But he's saying, look, no, here's the promise of God. Here's the destiny of my life. I'm a father of many nations, right? And then, then you move on in the Bible, and guess what? You, you see that there was this guy named Jacob, and he became Israel. That, that here was a guy that was a deceiver, a surplanter. And then God said, no, one day, because he wrestled with God, he said, man, I'm going to change your name, right? And he became Israel, which means prince of God. Not too shabby to go from deceiver to your new identity as a prince with God. Not a bad day, right? And it also means uh, basically one who wrestled with God and prevailed. But, you know, also if you keep reading the Bible, you see that Simon became Peter, that Saul became Paul. But one thing I want us to grab a hold here is not that, hey, we've got to change our name to get something. But to understand that even with these guys, that just because God changed their name, it doesn't mean that it immediately took hold. <laughs> It was still a process. There's this thing that God comes and, and you'll hear sermons like today or you'll read the Bible or whatever. And God will speak to your identity. But guess what? Once he speaks to it, then he starts building into it. Right? It's a process. And so let me kind of give you maybe an example of this. And, and, and for you guys that go, man, why is God bring this up so much? Here's what God's trying to do. It simply says this. Our new identity is not to give us an easier life, but rather a more fruitful one. Man, that's good. That's good. That's what God is after. He's trying to go, okay, how can I help the people that I created in my image? How can I help them be more fruitful in their life? Right? I, I don't know about you, but, but I don't want to live a life that I don't see God's movement in. That I don't see his blessing in. That I don't see God doing anything in. I don't want to show up to heaven one day empty-handed. I want to be able to say, man, God, these are the things I did for your glory. Yes. Amen. So... Let me uh, give you an example of this, okay? And I think this will, this will help some of you. Years ago, I read this. Basically, somebody gave me a book, and I read it. And uh, as I was reading it, man, God was like, hello, speaking to me. So anyways, let me read this to you. It's from a certain pastor. He said this. He said, for many years, I traveled to the nations, and I referred to myself as a voice to shift Christians in the nations. To shift Christians in the nation. In other words, they didn't understand the anointing and the call on his life was to go and to work with Christians in the nation. And somehow God would move and it would shift things, shift their mentalities, all those things. And, and he said this. Basically, I said that rather than saying this, that I was a voice to shift the nation. Big difference, right? And he said, one day I heard the Lord speak to me. He said this. He said, I do not agree with you. Get that, that I am saying, I'm, he's sitting there saying, I am, I am a, uh, let me read it right, basically that I'm a voice to shift Christians in a nation. The Lord said, I don't agree. And then he said this, I recognize that I wasn't allowed to speak those words anymore. So let me maybe, maybe say this before we go on the rest of the story. The first time I read that, still every time I read it, the, the, the first question comes to my mind when I read that is this, is does God agree with the words that I say about myself? Does God agree? I've literally asked the Lord, Lord, what are the words that I say in my life that you don't agree with? What, what is it that you're saying? Quentin, I'm not giving you permission to say it anymore. And then he goes on to say this. After God said, I do not agree with you, he said, it took two years to clear my mindset so that I could extend my faith to impact a nation. Pretty good. Fast forward. Watch this. It's pretty cool. He says, I was getting ready to travel to Burma in 2008, and I asked God to reveal my identity as a voice to the nation on this trip. He said, at the last meeting in Burma, there was an unusual presence of the Lord, and he instructed me to give Pastor Mung, that was the nation's pastor, he instructed me to give him a ring, and, and basically that it would be like a Joseph ring on his hands. And he said, these words came to me, and as he began to prophesy, Pastor Mung, God is going to make you like Joseph to this nation. That's a pretty big deal, right? 
Later, the guy said, Pastor Monk said, he chuckled within himself and he said, how could this ever happen since Christians are so persecuted? He said, Christians have been oppressed for years and they are even killing Christians in certain villages. Now watch this. The pastor that's saying this, he said, two weeks after he left, a typhoon devastated the city. Yet none of Pastor Monk's 8,000 church members had died. But as he was providing his, uh, his people, his church, with food and meeting their physical needs, the Joseph word came back to him, that he'd be a Joseph to his nation. And he decided to focus on helping the people of his nation. Pastor Mum began to offer food and medical aid to the same people who had thrown sticks and bricks at their church while they were in worship service. And then he said this, says, word got out of what he was doing and major ministries from all around the world started sending money that millions of dollars came in over the next six months, allowing him to distribute vast amounts of food just like Joseph. Says a wealthy Hindu man who didn't trust his own leaders gave him money and commended him for doing a good job. And then it says, Pastor Mung led a team of 74 doctors to help the Hindus affected by the typhoon. That's the love of God in action, folks. And then he said this, a Hindu priest even told him, If this would have happened to the Christians, we wouldn't have helped you. And then they decided to open up all their temples to let his team come in and basically to do all the medical work and distributing out of their temples. Now, get this. Are you all with me? It said basically this, that it went on that even the government recognized what he had done, and they gave him unprecedented freedom in helping with the rebuilding process. Once again, it was just like Joseph. The favor of God was on him while he was in Egypt. Here's the whole point that I want to say. Here's why I read all of that, to kind of get our eyes off ourselves for a minute. Here's what the guy said, the pastor that wrote this. He said, God had to stop my words to shift my identity so I could speak words to shift Pastor Mung's identity to impact his nation. You get that? He had to shift my words so I could shift that guy's words. And, and so really what I want you to see today is this, is that church, it's not all about us. Everything that God's saying, everything that God's doing, it's not all about us. Literally that there's people that we are directly connected to and there's people that we haven't even crossed their paths yet that God needs us really to have an identity shift so they can have theirs. That there's something about when God gets a hold of us and we begin to get in agreement with God and we begin to move where God is moving, right? We begin to follow his favor instead of him to bless what we're doing, yeah? And we begin to move where he's moving. Guess what happens? Then it begins to affect other people and it releases something in their lives. It releases them into a greater measure of their own destiny. That's good. It's a domino effect. That's what's happening. It's what God's trying to do, right? He wants to start with a catalyst. He wants to move. Here we go. So the first one is personal discovery. It's all about identity. So somebody can get there. Second one is this. The second thing a new beginning requires is a maturing. Now, with this one, I, you know, hang tight with me, y'all, okay? And I'm going to say this has happened to me, so it gives me a right to speak to us. So don't get mad at me, all right? But with this one, I feel like I need to speak directly to the growth and the development of what we personally believe, And not only what we believe, but how we communicate and how we minister, since we're all ministers, how do we minister what we believe? Now, obviously, when we're first saved, when we're new Christians, kind of what we believe changes quite a bit as we grow in the Lord. Yes? But but what about when we've been with the Lord for a while? Do we become uh, immune from the Lord adjusting our doctrinal stance on things? Do we become immune? So many of us live like that, don't we? It's almost like I've arrived and, and somehow I got it. Right? And now, man, this is solid and I'm just good. And I want you to know today that, that nobody is immune. However long you've been walking with the Lord and how mature you think you are, nobody's immune from having the Lord mess with what you believe. Amen? Amen. So let me just say this. Uh, let me say something first before I read this, before we go to Acts chapter 10. We finally got there. I remember early on in my, early on in my uh, basically, 
pastoring years, I basically, God spoke to me, and I went to a church that was completely different than any church I'd ever been in. All right, so I moved to Louisiana, moved to North Carolina. It, it wasn't so much of doctrine, but there was, there was an unusual amount of effort and energy given to preaching the love of God and preaching faith. That was really, really weird for me. Right, because I came from a, a a side that was all holiness, and man, you know we're you know we're going to suffer and we're going to get this thing right. And then I go over here, and they start talking about God blessing you. And and I showed up in that church, and I'm telling you what, in my natural flesh, I wanted to run because I didn't agree with it, but I couldn't run because I was on staff, and I, and I knew God called me there, and I was stuck there, right? But. The more I sat there and the more I watched the people's lives, and I began to watch that, man, what these people are preaching, doggone, this is true. Because here's what we so often do. Here's what I did. Is, is I had my parts of the Bible that I really liked. And that's what I read. And, and I had certain books that I liked that agreed with me, and that's what I read. And then I got exposed to a whole other thing, and I said, holy smokes, I never read that before. I read it, but I never read it. Right? And so what happens is, is man, uh, I, I think this. There comes a time where you go, man, at least for me, I had to go, God, I trust that you brought me here. Yeah. Fair enough? I think today, so many, God's trying to move so many Christians into certain spots. And what happens is, is because they go somewhere new, they feel like God called them to go there. They hear something immediately that, they, that, that is contrary to what they've always believed. And so they go to another church. They go back to their comfort zone. And what happens is, is, is that destiny and that identity is stopped. They're hindering it from where God wants them to go. Now, I'm not saying throw discernment out the window, though, Okay. Everybody hear that, please, all right? Because there's crazy crap out there. Yes, I just said crap. All right, here we go. <laughs> Acts chapter 10. I want to show you an example of basically someone, God messing with their doctrine. Here we go. Acts 10, verse 1. We're going to read quite a bit. It says, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. We know Cornelius was a Gentile. We know that he wasn't a Christian, but he really wanted to know God, right? Then it says in verse 3, it says, About the ninth hour of the day, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it says he was praying, and he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, in verse 4. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms, your giving, have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. That's pretty awesome, yes? So Cornelius said, uh, hey, two servants, come here. Hey, guard, come here. And you, you fellas go to Joppa and find Peter for me. Fast forward to verse 9. It says this. It says, the next day as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray. And about the sixth hour, that's noon, verse 10 says, then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. He froze. He stopped. He went to an open vision. It says in verse 11, and he saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air, and a voice came to him. So God starts to speak, right? And God said, yes, God's speaking, right? And he said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Uh-oh. <laughs> Verse 14 said, but Peter, watch this, he did what so many of us do when we hear something contrary to what we've believed. He said this, not so, Lord. Not so. You must be mistaken, God, right? Not so. He says, for I have never eaten anything Common or unclean. Now, I want to maybe stop right here so you understand that he didn't eat this stuff 
because it was some rituals and some rules and some traditions. He didn't eat this stuff because he felt like that's how he honored God. That was worship to him, right? That's what he believed. That was his doctrine. Y'all with me? And then it says in verse 15, it says, And a voice spoke to him again the second time. How many times has God done that to us? What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Now, let's go ahead and get it clear. Obviously, wasn't talking necessarily about food. Thank God we can eat bacon now. Amen. But listen, what he's talking, he, was talking about, he was talking about Gentiles, right? It's in context. He's talking about Gentiles, people who weren't Jews. Now, watch this. If you can kind of picture with me for a minute, it's kind of like as Peter comes back to reality, the Bible says that he was perplexed. That literally, that he didn't know what to think. That literally, God was messing with the very foundation of what this little Jewish boy believed to be right and godly. Listen, that he couldn't believe it. God was saying that the Gentiles weren't unclean. It's like how long, however, you know, I don't know how old Peter was this time, but for how many years was he told and he believed that, man, those people are unclean, right? And now here's this voice contradicting everything that he's believed to be true. And, and so if you can kind of imagine, just kind of, Go to imaginary land for a second. Imagine him sitting there struggling, trying to process what just happened. I see him saying this. Okay, I know that voice. It's the same voice that said, follow me. It's, it's almost like, come on, get together, Peter. You, you walked with him for three years. You saw the lame walk, the blind see. You saw food multiply. You heard him teach every Sabbath, so you know what he taught. In fact, you were the one that walked on waters, didn't sit at his word. So you know his word. And, and then I can, I can hear him doing what so many of us do. He begins to justify why he can't embrace what Jesus is telling him. Imagine him saying this, Peter, you, you, you need to remember you were the one who knew he was the Christ. You were the one that preached that fantastic message and 3,000 people got saved. Was it not your shadow that healed the sick? Yeah, 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 it was, right? What about that crippled fellow at the gate called Beautiful? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Th- then there's that little incident with Ananias and Sapphira. And did you not just pray for a person in Lida who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years? Yeah, and they got healed too. Then what about that woman you just prayed for, Joppa, Tabitha? Man, she was dead, and now you prayed she came back to life. Y'all follow me? It's like, how many of you guys know that those kind of results can make you feel pretty confident about what you believe? Yes. Yeah, listen, we're not talking about some fly by the night. We're talking about a mature, 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 mature. Uh, you know, here's one of the leaders of the church. He's one of the three that hung out with Jesus, y'all. He had it down, right? And, and, and so if this guy does it, if this guy feels like he's secured in his doctrine, man, how often, if we're willing to admit it or not, how often have we made excuses and all that stuff and justified and all that just like he did? I know I have. I showed up at that church I told y'all about a while ago, and I stood my ground. Let's God know God said this, right? And then slowly it eroded, thank God. But, but listen, I think here's what Peter got a glimpse of that day. And this is what I began to see all those years ago. That unfortunately God's anointing that produces those results don't always mean that he approves of every single detail of our personal doctrine and our personal beliefs. You get that? It, it, to understand today, if, man, maybe if you don't hear anything else, hear this, that God anoints us to prove who he is, not who we are. That God anoints us to prove who he is, not who we are. That he anoints us to help people because he loves people. He doesn't love our doctrine. Yes? And, and so, so often, listen, it's human nature. Boom, God uses us to do something awesome. We think, I'm the man. Maybe you've never felt that. I have. I'm the man. I got it right, man. God, show me I'm right. (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) 
So I'm, I'm kind of saying this. Let me, let me maybe say this. Let me back up with the first one that we talked about. So individually, God's wanting to shift our identity. But guess what? He's wanting to shift our identity as a church as well. Okay? And the second one here, talking about maturing, it's really this. It's, it's until we die, man, God's going to adjust things of what we believe because we know dimly. We see in part. And the more we pursue him and follow him, the, more, the greater glimpses we'll see. And we shift and change. We've got to be humble enough to admit it. Right? But as a church, guess what? Just as what Peter, what he believed, it wasn't just what he believed shifted. It was his ministry style that shifted. Are you following me? In other words, that, and we'll read in a minute, but it wasn't that the message changed, but the method of how he went about it did change. And guess what? As a church, we're in that season. The methods that we've used in the past are going to shift. So let me maybe ask you this, and this is questions I, you know, whatever, that are just realistic. But what do we do when God challenges us and what we believe? What do we do when God begins to mess with us? What do we do when God shows us that, that what we believe so confidently in, that guess what, that, that he begins to show us, man, that's wrong. That hurts. What do we do when God begins to open our eyes to something that we've said that we had never believed? That's what happened to me when I left that church. I said, I'll never believe that. That, that ain't God. Then I showed up that church, and it was God. So look at verse 17. It says this in verse 17. It says, now while Peter wondered, this is kind of what I'm saying, what do we got to do with it? Now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, fast forward to verse 19, the Spirit of the Lord said to him, behold, three Gentile men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them. Look at those two words, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. So there comes a time, I think it's this, at least here's where I had to get to. Is I quit arguing with God, I quit justifying it, and I finally said, you know what, God, I'm, I'm done trying to figure it all out. I'm just going to accept it by faith, and I'm going to Cornelius' house. And here's what happens when we go to Cornelius' house and we begin to, uh, you know, here's the outcome. Watch what happened with Peter here. The Bible says that, guess what, that as he preached in Cornelius' house, that guess what, the, 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 the door opened to preach the first gospel message that was ever preached in the Gentile region of Caesarea. That's pretty cool, right? So not only was that, but guess what? Because he obeyed and shifted his style. He shifted what he believed in essence, got more in agreement with God. What happened? Cornelius and his whole Gentile family and friends became believers in Jesus. Not only that, Peter's ministry and influence expanded to another area. And then ultimately, guess what God did? God confirmed what he spoke to in the vision. God confirmed it. He showed it to him. But watch this. Here's what's so cool about all these. The same as with the first one, because Peter had a new beginning. Guess what happened? It allowed Cornelius to have a new beginning. Because Peter had a new beginning, Cornelius had a new beginning. It allowed all the Cornelius' family and friends to have a new beginning too. It's a domino effect. So here's the third one, and we got to move. The third thing a new beginning requires of us is this, and this one isn't so fun, but it's testing. It's testing. You know, we would, be, we would be fools to believe that God's going to come and change our identity and begin to change what we believe and not think that that's going to be tested. It's been a long time since Adam fell in the Garden of Eden, but I'm, I'm still pretty convinced the devil, his favorite question is this, still, did God really say? And that's what happens. We get with God, God begins to shift our identity, and then we go about life and he goes, did God really say? That's just you thinking. No, no, did God really say? We get over there, and we, you know, when God begins to shift what we believe, and we go, man, I finally see it in the Word, I finally believe it, and we walk away, and you get in a moment, and it goes, did God really say? 
Something that's so true. And it's kind of like this. I just want to encourage you in this today. Find comfort in this. If Jesus himself, if his identity was questioned by the devil in Matthew 4, where he said, if you are the Son of God, then do blah, blah, blah. Understand that he was questioning his identity. If you're really who you say you are, then do this. If he'll question him, we shouldn't be really caught off guard when he questions us. Right? It's just true. It's what he does. And as far as our beliefs uh, being questioned, we're in good company there too. Look at Acts 11, 2 through 3. It says this, and this is basically, it says, And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, in other words, this was after all that awesome stuff that happened in Cornelius' house, those of the circumcision, in other words, those uh, Jewish believers, it says they contended with him. What's that mean? That they opposed him, that they judged him, that they doubted him, and they withdrew from him. And they literally said this, You went into uncircumcised men and ate with them? Sinner. They were ticked off, they, literally, because he went into some people that weren't Jews' house and ate with them and preached the gospel. They said, we're done with you, dude. We don't care what you've done. We don't care who you are. We're done. That's pretty intense, right? It's intense. But, but here's what's so cool is look what happens when we hold our ground. Because I, I love it. Peter just didn't say, you're right. I'm sorry, guys. Right? I'll come back home to you. Right? No, what he did was he stood his ground and he went through the whole account. Here's what happened. Man, I was praying, went to a trance, boom, 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 showed up. Man, they received the gospel, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, they got baptized, boom, 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 boom. And then it comes down and it says this in verse 18. It says that when they heard these things, Peter's account, they became silent and they glorified God saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Once again, a domino effect, right? Peter's new beginning, Peter's new belief, Peter's new ministry style, guess what? Affected those guys, and then it became theirs as well. And watch this. If you don't believe that was powerful, to understand that at that time, they weren't preaching the gospel to us. I don't know if anybody's a full-blooded Jew in here, but they weren't sharing it with us, right? So from, from Peter's, basically Peter's uh, doctrinal stance, his doctrinal shift, guess what? It still affects us today. That's good news. Right? So don't limit it, right? Amen. Let, let's move. Here we go. The fourth thing a new beginning requires of us is this. It requires us to be in agreement with God. Agreement with God. I've said this a hundred times in this church. But every new beginning has an Amos 3-3 moment attached to it. Every single one. That how can two walk together unless they be in agreement? And, and how many of you guys know, let me say, that that's not easy. It's not always easy to be in agreement with God. Let, let me just say this to you. Sometimes like Job, we might have to face our greatest fears. Right? When we come into agreement with God. When we come into agreement with God, it may be like Moses. We might have to stretch our faith at the Red Sea. Like Gideon, we may have to tear down the family idols. Like David, we may have to face a giant. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we might have to face some heat. Right? Like, like Daniel, we might have to take a stand for truth. But here's what's so awesome. When we come into agreement with God, here's the awesome part. Gang, hear this, please. Is that when we stand in agreement with God, guess what? That's a guarantee that we are going to be where God is moving. And I want you to know, if you're where God is moving, there is no greater reward than that. Amen. I, I remember there's, a, there's an old pastor, and he was a, a missionary for a bit, but a guy named Lester Summerall. And I love what he said, basically, in, in one of his books called Pioneers of the Faith. He said this. He said, if I lived in the days of John Knox, I would have been uh, whatever John Knox was. I forgot, a Presbyterian. I would have been a Presbyterian because that's where the banner of revival was at. If I lived in the days of John Wesley, I would have been a Methodist because that's where the Spirit of God was moving at. If I'd have been the days, and he went to go down all these moves of God, and he said, man, if I was alive, I'd have been there because that's where God was moving. In other words, he said, I'm going to live in agreement with God. Amen. All right, here we go. Fifth one, and we'll be done. 
The fifth, fifth thing a new beginning requires of us is this, and it's so simple. It's active obedience. So first one is personal discovery. Second one is maturing. Third one is testing. Fourth one is agreement with God. Fifth one is active obedience. And simply this, that every new beginning will require us to activate our faith to do something that we've never done before. That's the whole reason the door opens. You're in a new world. It's new things that we've never done before, and we've got to activate our faith to do it. Because why? Because each season has new assignments built into it for us personally and for us corporately. Guess what? That only we can do. Right? In other words, we can't sit back as a church. Guess what? We're not called to do what Chestnut does. We're not. We're not called to do what Soul Harbor does. We're not called to do. Name the church here. We're not called to do what they do. God put them here. God put us here. We're going to do what God called us to do. Amen. We're not better than them. We're just different, right? And we're here to reach different people. Amen. We're going to go get it. Amen. But here's what you got to see. Only what, only we can do it. And it's kind of, if I kind of picture it as this, going to the whole dude church as a team and all that stuff, it's almost like this. It's, if you can imagine, we live in a, in a town, obviously there's people fish here. If we're making some net, basically with us coming in agreement with God, with us in active obedience, all these things, if you can imagine that that's the little, I don't even know the official name, the little square that's in the net. Every one of them, right? I mean, y'all make traps, whatever. So, so uh, li- listen, that if we don't do those parts, it's almost like us going and throwing the, throwing the net out there and it has massive holes in it and people are just falling through them. So we got to get in agreement with God so we can, we can uh, tighten that net up. Amen? Amen, so we can catch who God wants us to catch. So let, let me just kind of end with this. Once again, it's, it's the new assignments. If you think about this, once again, new beginnings, new assignments that only you can do. Noah was the only guy that could build the ark. Moses was the only guy that could lead the people. Aaron tried, he failed, right? It was Moses' job. Gideon had to go to war. David had to become king. Jeremiah had to preach. Mary had to give birth. Nobody else was going to do it, right? Disciples had to go fish for men, or we can even say it this way with the Great Commission. Disciples had to go, right? In other words, there's responsibilities that only, only they could do, and there's responsibilities that only we can do. Are you all following me? All right, let me close with this thought. If I could sum up all this in a statement, it would be simply this. But this was our address. Here, This would be it. That new seasons in God typically require us to think, believe, and act differently than we've ever done before. That's the truth. If you, if you, go, back to, if you go back to when the new beginning of all those people, that's really where the rubber met the road. The simplicity of it was that God was saying, look, I need you to think differently, I need you to believe differently, I need you to walk differently than you've ever done before. And in doing that, guess what happens is, is this, is a, as a ministry, is, it's going to cause us to, to think different than we've thought before. And, and I'm a, here, I'll just go ahead and say part of what we've got to change. Is that all right? I just know this, and y'all got to help me with this. As far as with our thinking, man, we've got to drop, drop a victim mentality around here. We've got to drop a poverty spirit mindset around here. And, and, and we, we literally, listen, we we, we got we to quit thinking, as good old T.D. Jake says all the time, that we're broke, busted, and disgusted. Listen, Jesus died, y'all, to give us victory. Okay? And, and we prayed about this this morning uh, before y'all got here. But, but listen, he died for us to have victory. And we can keep acting like that's just something that we'll never be able to grab. Or we can have faith that it's already happened and we can start living from it. Right? And, and so part of that is this, is... In, in, how does, how does a poverty mindset and a victim mentality, it's always by the words that we say. So I'm going to ask you, man, begin to ask the Holy Spirit, let me really hear the words that are coming out of my mouth. Am I speaking poverty? Am I speaking victim? In, in, so you understand poverty. Poverty mindset is not 
not necessarily that I'm broke. Poverty mindset is simply this, that I think that I'll never have enough. You can be a millionaire and have a poverty mindset, right? But there's contentment in the kingdom, Yes, and so, so we got we to gotta think different because at the end, end of the day, man, li- listen, who wants to come to a ship that's sinking? If you're, if, listen, if, if your gospel is, 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 is ooh, who wants it? I had that in the world. Yes? So, man, we, we, we got to tweak that thing. Li- listen, as far as belief, you know, listen, I'll be the first to tell you, man, my... My ministry style has changed dramatically since I got here. <clears throat> dramatically, you know, I, I'm I'm used to, you know, I'm used to it being loud, right? Y'all y'all aren't loud. Y'all y'all don't get too wild, right? Um, I'm used to folks dancing and shouting and hollering everywhere, right? And so, but but listen, there's a if I'm willing to, if I'm willing to go, okay, our ministry, my ministry style needs to shift so we can reach people in this community. But but there's a part that hey, we all got to do that. <laughs> Right, so 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 there's parts that we have learned that have been wrong for our entire life of how to do church. Okay, it was when I was down in that church in Alabama, the one in Louisiana that changed my with North Carolina. Um, but guess what? In, in all of us, God, what, what's our what's our ministry style? What, what what's it need to change like? And, and I think this is how much of it is resembled in the book. <laughs> right, I, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you the one area I would like to see us change the most. Is it okay if I say that? Yes. Worship. Worship. And I'm not, you know, I'm not asking everybody to go bananas and get into emotionalism. But, 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 man, there's something about freedom that changes things. And, and, and there's something about Mainers, you New Englanders, that, that think that stoic thing is something, a, a badge of pride. Well, in the kingdom, freedom is a badge of pride. So let's drop New England and let's get kingdom. Yeah? All right. If I got drop fried chicken, y'all can drop that. All right. <laughs> so, so there's that part of, of simply this. It, it's kind of maybe. Let me say it this way: How can we bring a life-giving culture in this place? That what we preach, what we sing, what we say, that that it's life, because that's what Jesus came to bring. Right. We're here to celebrate life, not. <sighs> yeah. But that's all of us, right? That's all of us. There's that thing of, man, I don't feel it. But guess what? There's a peace that surpasses all understanding. Tap into that. That's where we live from. There's a joy that's unexplainable. Tap into that. Right? Are you all with me? Let me me say it to you. I I got a pretty cool revelation yesterday. I was in, uh, I've I've been studying the past few days in Caden's room because it's like one of the quiet places in the house. Right? He's he's like tucked away downstairs in the corner and kind of gets away from everything that's happening upstairs. And, and I was studying yesterday, and I was preparing all this, and I heard my youngest kid losing his mind. <laughs> if you've ever been to my house, you've probably witnessed it at some point. But he is, he, I mean, he is, I can tell he, he's, he, he's, he's, having, he's having a meltdown. He is screaming, and he is throwing stuff. He's an aggressive little fella. He, he definitely got that from my crew. And but, but so, so I hear this, and I'm, and I'm waiting, and obviously nobody's going to address it. So I went, okay, I'll, let me go in there. And I, and I just, uh, basically, I came out of, if you can kind of imagine, I'm in Caden's room. Come out of Caden's room, and I go into Jude and Luke's room, and there's Luke. And I just stand there. And he is just, he's slinging toys. Throwing them. Not funny, right? He's, he's throwing everything. And I just, 
And, he, and he's in the middle, of, and he catches me out of the corner of his eye, and he does this. And he just looks at me. He just kept staring at me. Here's what I realized at that moment. That whatever we're going through, the presence of the Father can change it all. That's what I learned in that moment. That, that, that it, you know, I didn't have to say a word. The, my presence just came in the room, and it changed everything he was doing. And, and so watch this. He knew he was wrong. Yeah? So watch this. So what would happen as a church, and this is really why I say worship. Let me really clarify it. Once again, it's not some, you know, robotic response I'm looking for. It's simply this, that we begin to treasure the presence of God. That's what I'm talking about. That, that, that you know... That we're willing to wait on him. Right? That, that we're willing to hang out a while and go, man, that, that literally, man, God, unless you come, I'm not, you know, we're not going to be satisfied. That's where I'm at. Right? That, 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 that is, has been the biggest difference between where I've been to now is, God, where's the presence? Right? Because when the presence comes, man, all y'all that want all that other stuff, that's where it flows from. Right, And so if we can position our own hearts to go, man, I'm going to come in to meet God. And, and really where that happens, the Bible says, guess what? It's in worship. It's not in preaching the word. It, it can happen in prayer and all those things, but it's really in worship. And so I'd encourage you guys, man, to, to when we come, let's give God our best. Right? Do so, you, you know, they used to tell us this in ministry school all the time. To go where you've never been, you've got to do things you've never done. They would tell us that a lot. To go where you've never been, you've got to do things you've never done. And, and I thought about that a lot because I didn't come from, you know, I, I got saved as a senior in high school, and I went to a church that was, this was worship. Doesn't resemble heaven, I'll tell you that. Read Revelation. <laughs> Doesn't resemble it. And, and so then I went to a church that, man, they were lifting their hands and occasional uh, shout, and people were singing loud and all that stuff. I didn't know what to do. Right? But I said, I, I began to think, okay, to go somewhere I've never been, I've got to do things I've never done. <laughs> okay, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> right? But what happened was, is, is I'll say it this way, is that sometimes you've got to close your eyes to see. If you want, if you want to see Jesus, man, go where he's at. It, it, you know, it, I'm not going to get much of Jesus when I'm like this. Looking around at everybody, picking my nose, whatever, scratching my armpit. Okay? Am I making sense? Okay? Amen. Healthy things grow. We all know that. And, uh, and growth always brings about change. That's what all these weeks have been about because we're about to change. Okay? And I guess I'll just say this. There's things that I intentionally didn't say today because, man, I knew so many people were out of town and so we'll tell, we'll tell it next week. We'll shock all of you next week. I think what's important for me is at this time that we just say this. God, whatever you're going to do in this church, I'm willing to go with those five things. I'm willing. I'm willing for you to change our identity. I'm willing for us to, to change how we go about ministry style, what we do. God, God I'm, willing to, for, I'm, I'm willing to stand against the test because they're going to come. There's, anytime there's change, there's obstacles, there's challenges. And, and to understand at the same time that, man, I'm, I'm willing to get in agreement with God and I'm willing to be active in obedience. Really that simple. Yeah? Y'all can stand to your feet. So we're going to pray this today and we'll, we'll get out of here. Here's the great part about the winter. The buffets are closed. So if you can, just close your eyes.
let's just maybe ask ourselves one question today. Is in our lives, if this is our home church or not, or if this is, you know, so from an individual perspective and corporate, corporate perspective, what does God want to require of, require of us during this season? As we go into the new year, man, I'll tell you what, it is not about resolutions because we don't ever go follow through with those things anyways. Okay? I'm still fat. All right? So I tell myself every year I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to quit eating chocolate. But, man, I am addicted. All right, here we go. So, so but, God, what do you want to do? Because here, the difference is, is when God speaks, he comes and helps us. reason resolutions don't work because most of the time they're, made, they're man-made up. Right? We make them up. But when God speaks, it's different. And so... So let's just take a minute and, and let's just, in our own heart, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us of what he would, would, would require of us during this season. So, Father, today, God, just while we're here, your, your kids, God, you love us so much. And, Father, I thank you that you desire for every one of us to be fruitful in your kingdom. God, that you desire for us as a church to make a great impact in this community. God, you didn't plan us here to just kind of uh, meander in mediocrity. God, you've called us to do great things individually and corporately. And so, Father, we're just asking today, God, in this moment with our hearts, God, really open to you. Our eyes closed, but our hearts open. God, we're asking that you would just speak to us and tell us what you would require of us during this season. God, what needs to shift? What needs to change? God, God, where do we need to... Um, where do we need to have a personal discovery in our identity? God, where do we need to uh, begin to mature in what we believe? Where, where, what do we need to uh, be prepared for as far as testing? God, where do we need to be in agreement with you? God, what do you want us to be active in? So, Holy Spirit, we just give you a minute. Just, just speak to us. We give you room. like I need to tell somebody this Um, when Moses was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt we all know the story that that they came to a spot where they hit the Red Sea and and the Bible gives this beautiful, beautiful narrative of Moses talking to God about basically oh crap there's the Red Sea What are we going to do? 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 We're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. And God finally said, look, man, put staff in the water and walk through on dry ground. Here's what I feel like I need to tell you. For some of you guys, you spend so much time focusing on the old crap moments of life, the problem, the problem, the problem, the problem. If you would just begin to focus on God, he'll show you how to walk through the problem. Once again, that comes back to the spot of victim or go to the one who has victory and he'll show me the way through. So some of us need to shift our 
not only our identity, but man, shift our focus. And what, what, what do we, what do we behold all the time? Because the truth is, is, is because we were wired to worship. We were wired to become what we behold. And if you behold problems all the time, that's all your life's going to be is one big old mess and just one big old confusion. Uh, but if you behold him, guess what? He's, he's the Prince of Peace, right? And you can have peace. So just so we're kind of tracking together, if you feel like you know what God's required of you, just lift both hands, please. Just kind of as an act of, okay, God, I'm in agreement with you. Awesome. If you feel like you're not hearing at this moment, I would continue just to, man, just spend some time praying about it and ask God to show you. He's pretty faithful with all that. Just keep your hands up. For everybody, if you can just lift your hands. It's all right. Come on, let's just for unity's sake. So, Father, we thank you today, God, with our hands lifted. God, thank you for your voice. Thank you for speaking to us. God, thank you for clarity. Uh, Lord, we thank you for vision for our lives. We thank you for vision for the church. Lord, we just thank you, God, that as we step into this new season, that we don't step into it alone. But, God, you said that you'd go with us. And, God, we're pumped, God, that you're with us. God, that we want to be where you're moving. And so, Lord, we just thank you, God, that, man, that, that you're a God. God of victory, you're a God of life, you're a God of hope, God, and Lord, we're going with that. And so, Lord, thank you today, God, for just, uh, once again, unity in our hearts. God, thank you for just, once again, agreement with you in this place, agreement with each other. Uh, God, even as the, the apostle said that it was, that it, that it basically seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. God, that we would live with that kind of unity around here. And, uh, Lord, we just thank you today, God, that as we put our focus on you and what you're doing in this season, Father, we thank you, God, that as we, as we magnify you, God, that all the other situations in our life, uh, God will will begin to get a whole lot smaller because Lord you're bigger than all those things God you're bigger than a Red Sea Lord if you can lead the, if you can lead those Israelites God those millions of people through a through a Red Sea God uh, man splitting it open on dry ground God you can take us through anything we're facing and so Lord we just thank you today God for just moving in our hearts God the things that we feel like God that you're requiring of us during the season God I'm just asking God that you would brand that on our hearts God that you would burn it in our hearts for this season and God that we wouldn't walk away from it God that we wouldn't uh, lose our focus we wouldn't get distracted but God we'd say God that's what you want to do with me this season and God I'm going with you and Lord that you would help us to have the courage and the strength God and the and just to be brave God to just face it in Jesus name and Lord we thank you God for just this season God that we would be as a church a church that just values your presence God a church that values the anointing a church that values the word that values the spirit moving God our hearts is that we'd be a spirit led church not a man led church and so Lord that we come yes prepared yes we come studied and all that stuff but God that we'd be a church where your Holy Spirit is moving and God is evident that you're moving God we don't want to wonder any longer God we want to know that you're there and so Lord we thank you God that your presence has the ability to overcome anything anything and so Lord we even thank you today God that when we focus on your presence God as you said in your word that even the mountains melt like wax God we thank you for that today Hey, I want to pray something and we'll be done. Um, I may go into this later, some other point. But you know, they, they, they call the, you know, this, the seven mountains here, right? Am I right with that? Seven mountains? Yes, no? Talk to me. Yes, thank you. All right, so we have a seven mountain hotel. That's my confirmation. All right, so 
You, you know, that, that years ago that they, uh, according to people that have lived here much longer than me, that they used to do sacrifices on all those mountains. Devil worship. All right? And, and there's a reason that we as a church, uh, man, fight stuff all the time. That when we go to do something, man, that there's an actual battle that's going on. And that's not, man, that's not, uh, the Bible says you do not war against flesh. You war against uh, racing principalities in high places. And, and so what happens is, is guess what? All those things that over the years of what this land has been dedicated to has not been God. And so guess what? There, there's a part of us that has to, uh, it, yes, it's stepping to a new territory, but it's, but it's to go to overtake the territory. Hopefully, hopefully I'm making sense to you guys. That, that in other words, that as the army of the Lord that we're part of, that guess what? That God wants to uh, basically conquer the land again. And so I just want to pray. Just when I, when I said that a while ago, that the mountains melt like wax, uh, I, I just felt like we need to pray into that. So let's do that. Maybe weird to y'all, but that's all right. So, Father, we thank you that you've given us the ability to do spiritual warfare. And, Lord, you said that literally that we have the ability to uh, literally uh, take captives and, th- and thoughts and all those things in high places, Lord. So, Lord, we're just asking today, God, that all the demonic stuff that's happened in this region, Lord, we pray, God, that literally that the blood of Jesus would begin to just overcome all of it, begin to conquer all of it. Lord, we ask, God, that the way that uh, the sacrifices that were given, we understand that the greatest sacrifice that was ever made was Jesus's, Jesus on the cross. And so, Lord, we're asking, God, that that sacrifice would literally uh, make all those other sacrifices to nothing. And so, Lord, would you come with your presence and your power, and would you begin to tear down the wickedness and the strongholds in high places? And, Lord, would you begin to just bring victory in this land, literally the way, uh, the, the way that people are blinded because of the things that have been dedicated to the enemy, God, in this region, the God of this earth, the God of this world. Lord, we pray, God, that you would begin to open their eyes. Uh, Lord, that literally, just as when Paul said it was like scales that fell off his eyes, God, we're asking that that would begin to happen in this region. God, that people would begin to have, uh, as it's been said in many revivals, a strange awareness of God. Lord, that they begin to be aware of you where they've never been aware of you before. Almost like they woke up from a dream, God. God, that they begin to see that, man, it was almost like black and white. Now it's colored. Man, I see the world. I see I see the place different than I've seen before. And so, God, we're asking that for our uh, our babies. God, we're asking that for our elementary school students, our, our junior high students, our high school students. We're asking that for the college and career age that's in this region. God, we're asking for the people all the way up to, man, 100 and whatever years old. God, open their eyes, God. And so, Lord, we just thank you for victory. And, Lord, we, we can't, uh, we're not necessarily physically climbing to the top of those mountains. Uh, but, but, Lord, in the spirit realm, God, we're climbing every one of them right now. All, all of them, in Jesus' name, if it's Mount Batty, Ragged Mountain, whatever, God, going to every one of those mountains, Bald Mountain, and saying, man, uh, literally what they would do in the Bible, that they would tear down the altars of the enemy, God, and they would set up an altar for the God, for God, for the kingdom, for the glory of God. So, Lord, we do that even now in Jesus' name, that literally that the plans of the enemy would be brought to nothing and that your plan and your purpose for this region would go forth in Jesus name sorry if I wasn't planning on y'all staying so long but it's a workout
Everybody look here, please. Um, before we came here, I, I feel like you keep playing. You're good. Um, I felt like I feel like the Lord spoke this verse to me. I just want to share it with you today, and we'll leave on this. It says this as um, this is in Matthew Matthew four. It says that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, "The land of Zebulun and the land of uh, Naphtali, whatever my Alabama, don't work it." it. Says by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Watch this. When I read that, I can't tell you how long ago. By the way of the sea. Like there's things that the word just jump out at you. And I feel like, man, God wanted to say this about us by the way of the sea. It's just right there, right? Last time I checked, it's still there. And then it says, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Watch this. Here's what I feel like the Lord said. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. It says, and upon those who sat in the region in the shadow of death, light has dawned. That's a good word. Hear that. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus is the light of the world. And upon those who sat in the region, in the shadow of death, light is dawned. So, Father, we just thank you today. God, and in this place, Lord, today we declare in Jesus' name that a light has dawned. That a light is dawned. That those who have sat in darkness, God, that they will see a great light. And, Lord, we pray that that would not be uh, years from now. But, Lord, we pray that you would do a quick work. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that Jesus is the light of the world. God, and that he is invading this region. In Jesus' name we pray. If you believe that, say amen. Amen, amen.